Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns, and you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. I'm excited to tell you that Caroline Mice is returning to the Authentic Living Show today to talk to us about her latest book, Intimate Conversations with the Divine, Prayer, Guidance, and Grace. The book allows us to peer into our own psyches and see both our struggles and the grace we find through prayer. Caroline has taken the risk here to allow us to see her own soul and to show us her own struggles as her prayers are flashes of her own intimacy with the divine. Today, we will discuss the depth and power of intimacy with the divine. You are not going to want to miss this, so stay here. Caroline Mice is a five-time New York Times best-selling author and internationally renowned speaker in the fields of human consciousness, spirituality and mysticism, health, energy medicine, and the science of medical intuition. Caroline established her own educational institute in 2003, CMED, Caroline Mice Education, which offers a diverse array of programs devoted to personal development and draws students from all over the world. In addition to hosting a weekly radio show on the Hay House Network, Caroline maintains a rigorous international workshop and lecture schedule. Caroline developed the field of energy anatomy, a science that correlates specific emotional, psychological, physical, spiritual stress patterns with diseases, about which she and Norman Sheely, MD, PhD, published the book, The Creation of Health. In all, she has published over 36 audiobooks, videos, or print books. Her latest book, Intimate Conversations with the Divine, is our subject today. So, Caroline, welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure, Andrea, my pleasure. Well, I want to just jump right into it because this book is chock full of wisdom and grace, and uh, I was so moved by so many of the prayers in there, so I want to just jump right in. The first question I want to ask you is, how do you define prayer itself? What is prayer? Well, you know, there's there's a thousand ways to define prayer. It's really essentially any time you cast your attention to the sacred, you're in prayer, really. And then there's, there's I, I consider any act of kindness in a way a prayer. I really do. Mm-hmm. But then there's their actual very devoted prayer where you are seeking spiritual guidance, spiritual counsel, and um, you are actively seeking to the inter intercession with the divine. So there's any number of expressions of prayer. You know, yeah, I agree. But what it is essentially is you want, you want a bond with the sacred. Yes, yes, yes. Beautifully put. Yeah, I like that. A bond with the sacred. Absolutely. Okay, so mm-hmm. right now, we are a nation, no, a globe in crisis, and I know you must be praying about that. Would you mind telling us what you're praying about on this topic? <laughs> you know, I, I know that there's no, I do not personalize heaven. Like, like, you, you, know, like I, you watch football people, and you watch it, and they think God chooses sides or I don't have an anthropomorphic concept of God anymore. I'm way, way, way past that. I, I really do believe that, that we create this world that we live in. 
and we're the engines of the events that that we are facing, and and that um, we that heaven's role is to guide us to make the the better choices, to constantly guide us to make better choices. But if I guess I guess the best way to 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 put this is that if you were if I gave you a knife and I said, look, there's a blade and a handle. And if you grab the blade, you're going to cut yourself. It's going to hurt. And you're going to think this is a weapon. And you are going to go about town hurting other people because you're going to be angry that it hurt you. And so your way of dealing with it is you are always going to hurt people with this. If you grab the handle, you will see that it's a tool. And you can cut food and make meals and make make tools and and it will help you survive. So pay attention. I want you to choose the handle, but I can't force you to. And either way, I'm going to hold you accountable for what you choose. And so I will I will lean on you to choose the handle. And you and so what, heaven can't force you to choose the handle but it will make it more in your best interest and in your nature to choose the handle. But many human beings choose the blade. Yep. Yep. I agree. That's a great analogy. Yes. And I liked what you said about when we choose the blade, it'll hurt and then we'll go hurt other people because we think that, that, that we're hurt. And so, we, we want to get somebody back for that in some kind of way. Yeah, and, I, and we get to hurt others because something hurt us. And so yep. we get to get even, and so goes the story of the blade, yes, and, yes or the handle, and 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 so they create only things that hurt, and thus you create weapons, and there are the story of weapons, the birth of weapons, or yes. the birth of tools. Yes, yes, and I, it Is makes the, me remember. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And there, and there goes the story of the world. So, you know, but in us is this instinct to create that God has given us. And in us is this instinct that we don't have to destroy. We don't have to kill each other. But in order to do that, we have to tell ourselves bad stories about each other. Because Mm -hmm. if left to our own devices, we will be kind to each other. We really would be kind to each other. It takes a whole lot of ugly propaganda to get us to be mean to each other. <laughs> Make well no said. mistake about it. Well said. Well said. I agree with that. And what you said reminds me of that passage in the Bible, and I don't know where it is, but the passage that says that uh, uh, there will come a time when the, the weapons will be plow, turned into plowshares. Um, so weapon, the weapons will be turned into tools, just like you've used your analogy mm-hmm. with the knife. Yeah. 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 You know, I remember one time, this was a long time ago when I was traveling the first time to Greece, long time ago, maybe 25, 30 years ago now. And I was talking to this Greek man and we, I was, uh, we were near, I don't know where we were, but we could see Turkey, part of Turkey. And he says, oh, that's Turkey over there. And I said, oh, I'd love to see Turkey someday. And he says, why? It's filled with Turks. 
And I said, what, why don't you like the Turks? To which he said, I don't know. I was just raised that way. Yep. And, and I, and he said, we, he says, no Greek likes a Turk and no Turk likes a Greek. That's just how we were raised. And that's when I realized how much effort goes in to the propaganda of hatred. Mm-hmm. How much energy they have to pour into making sure that the next generation resents them too. Otherwise, they might get along. Yeah, yeah wouldn't that be bad? Yeah. yeah. I, yes, very well said. I agree. And that, there's a lot of that happening in America too. A lot of that same kind of <laughs> passing on oh, to the next think? generation. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about angels. You've, you've written in one of your prayers, the healing realm of the angels. You said heaven will not compensate for the work you must do on yourself. And I love that. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about that? What does that mean? Well, if, if, you, if you need to forgive someone, heaven can't do that for you. Mm-hmm. If, you know, heaven cannot do your work for you. And, and if, if, you, if you need if, to take care of someone here, if someone's your responsibility here, if, that, if you're faced with that task, heaven can't do that. Heaven can't do your tasks for you. But... As you are doing your task and you say, help me here, I'm trying to do it the best way I can, that's the moment heaven engages all resources. But when you live a life and you say, I'm not doing this, it's too hard and I just quit and I don't like it, and heaven's going to say, okay, then you're going to deal with the consequence because that too is a choice. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, that's a good explanation. And you are so up the creek when you make a choice like that. Yes. There are consequences for our choices, aren't there? Every single, well, every single one. There's no such thing as a choice without a consequence. How yep. can there be? How I can agree. there be? But think of one choice. What one choice can you possibly make does not come with a consequence? What action does not have a reaction? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So we are still responsible, regardless of heaven, whatever, however you conceive of heaven, whatever that means to you, whether it's a place far away or, or in the mix of our human activities or whatever, however you conceive of that, it is still heaven and it is, it is not responsible for our choices. No, not That's at all. Right. Heaven's never responsible for our choices. Right. No. That's, you can't have a, a theology of co-creation and free will. And then blame heaven on our choices. Yep, that's right. For our choices. Yep. You, you can't, and we do that just like you can't have co-creation and entitlement. You cannot say I co-create, but I'm entitled to this. Yes. Yes. I mean, I don't think people get that. <laughs> I don't, I, I love how theology matches people's social status in life. You, you, you know, they, they, they tend to want their theology to be very much in keeping with their social status. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and what they got taught, I remember working with somebody years ago that was uh, very 
angry at God because, uh, you know, some things had gone wrong. And she'd been taught uh, that if you if you lived a good life, God would give you what you wanted. And yeah, right. this was just not happening for her. And she was just furious. Just livid. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of the things we, we do is, why is this happening to me? That question gets asked right. a lot about. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. But why? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, you talk in that same, in that same prayer, a beautiful prayer about uh, the Lord sending healing angels to you tonight. And, and uh, look, uh, one of the things you say in there is, uh, let me rest in the silence of the celestial realm, calm in the company of angels, as they heal what I am unable to heal due to my limitations. I love that. It's so beautiful and so comforting that we can actually be healed by the angels, even though we can't, we don't have the power to do it ourselves. So say some more about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I had a dream one night and that prayer came out of a dream because I, I was not feeling well. And, and I said, I don't feel good. I'm, I just, whatever help you can give me tonight would be appreciated. And, and, and the next thing I, I felt as though I was in the company of angels who were helping me. I didn't see but I sensed. Mm-hmm. And, and so from that time on, I started to pray, take me out again. Mm-hmm. Take me out and take me to, to where you do your healings. And so that prayer eventually evolved from that. Wow, that's beautiful. And that's I thought, beautiful. this can't just be for me. This is the way it is. Oh, so yeah. I, I may as well share that with others. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And you picked that out. Because inevitably, that is the prayer most people gravitate to. Is that that's interesting? Well, it's it's a very comforting prayer. It offers mm-hmm. us the potential that we're not alone. A, we're not alone, and that healing is possible, and that if we can imagine the angels, then they are there. That's uh, very comforting. Yeah, and it, it no, no, it's not about imagining angels. If you ask for them, they're not imaginary. They're not imaginary. Okay, yeah, they're not imaginary, but I think a lot of people can't really imagine that there are angels. So that's the reason I use that word. Well, that's their shortcoming. But if just pray for their, just request their assistance. Yeah, okay. All right. So we have just a few more minutes before break, but I want to ask, there's you know, a lot of people out there looking for meaning and purpose. And, and as you say, without having any idea where to look or even what they're seeking. You said the act of doing what is asked of you or what is demanded of you by necessity with an open heart is actually a living prayer. It's a way of saying to the heavens that nothing asked of you is insignificant, that even if the task at hand does not suit your vanity, you do not consider the placement in your word to be a divine order. So Mm -hmm. uh, can you say something more about that? Well, I think think, um, meaning and purpose first of all, has become a, a major part, uh, a significant part of our uh, generations uh, these last several decades, M- far more so than previous generations, um, previous to the 60s and 70s. It, right. It's become a major part um, 
and because I think for several reasons, um, because we we're living longer, we live different. We live more lifetimes in one life, and we have more occupations in one lifetime than we ever had before. Yep. And so there's many reasons for that. And but one of them also is that we are asking questions that are not questions. We are asking prayers, and people tend now to to wonder for what reason have I been born, mm-hmm. and that seems to activate for people, whether or not they realize it, a dialogue with their inner world even if they didn't intend that to happen. Right. And that eventually brings them to the crossroads of what has meaning and, and value and purpose. Um, and, of course, there's stages to that. You know, there's their Odie toilet, then there's cologne, and then there's perfume. But... You, there's the vanity level of meaning and purpose. You know, people see me, are they, am I getting attention to what can I bring meaning and right. purpose to? That's a significant transition in a person's life. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a real difference there. All right, well, we're going to take a break, and uh, we're going to be back in just a few minutes to talk with Caroline Mice some more about her book, Intimate Conversations with the Divine. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss this. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Caroline, Caroline Mace on her Intimate Conversations with the Divine, her latest book. And we have been having a very interesting, uh, in-depth conversation. Um, I want to talk a little bit about nature uh, because I have a theory, Caroline, that, um, that nature involves more than just the trees and the flowers and the rocks and the uh, planet Earth. It involves our very being. And we... We, have, we are trying to control it and dominate it on every level, um, including our sexuality, our uh, race, our, uh, our, our ability to uh, succeed in life. In all areas, we're trying to be in control of what we mm-hmm. do. And, and not only that, but of course, we have climate change coming up as well. So one of the things you said... <laughs> is uh, you said, if people understood the ongoing presence and power of divine order unfolding in every moment, we would no longer feel that we had to control nature. And I want to understand what you mean by what is the ongoing presence and power of divine order unfolding in every moment? Well, for me, for me, um, and it took me a while to get to this point, Andrea, and I was, it was really the result of years of doing readings and observing the, the peculiar mysteries about healing and health and, and the power every choice we make has in terms of affecting our lives, the power eventually of every word we say. And I, I truly eventually concluded that the nature of God is law hmm. and that and and by and law is consistent and orderly and the nature of god is contained within understanding the the uh nature of law in that um it it just like you can count on the seasons you can count on the tides flowing you can count on on the order of the universe always being as it is. So it means that when, for, as I tell people, when you have been through a trauma, think of that as the winter of your life. But the nature of the soul and the nature of your inner life is that spring will come. Heaven will send some form of joy to your life again. Because that is the law. This is not reward for suffering. It is the promise of how this universe is organized. That that after a winter will come a spring. After a phoenix burns in the ashes, it will rise. This is how the divine has structured the organization of life. So when you understand the nature of God, the promises are written in the order of the universe. It's when you step out and you decide, I want to be an exception to the laws of the universe. 
I need to be extraordinary, other than ordinary. And it, it has never failed me that those who crave the extraordinary are really saying, I don't want to, I want to be able to break the laws. Mm-hmm. And that's how they define their exceptionalism, by the capacity to not be within the laws of nature. And what has happened is, from my vantage point, sitting on my little perch, that the more we individuated, the more we just, we tasted what it was like to decide we could break the laws, we could step outside the collective behavior within the laws of nature, and that's the more the environment got screwed up, the more we fractured our relationship with the whole was as we decided that the measure of what it meant to be exceptional was to be a lawbreaker, that the measure of being extraordinary was the capacity to live outside laws, to say laws don't apply to me, and that to be ordinary meant you had to follow the law. And that's the state we're in right now, my dear. Yes. Yes. And that's how we got there, because we decided that the measure of being extraordinary and exceptional was to become a lawbreaker. Mm-hmm. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. I think that's exactly right. That, yeah, and and you know the law of of a of the of a person's the way I'm looking at this now. So you tell me if I've got this wrong. The law, for example, of a person's sexuality or gender or or uh, race has to do with their nature, and so to break that law would be to say that that's not those. Those things are not valid. It's not your your gender is not valid. Your race is not valid. Your sexuality is not valid. These things are not valid, and therefore we should uh, uh, you should not count. You should not be a part of the human race. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So we have to work on this whole thing of trying to dominate nature. Right. Right. In fact, the whole idea of dominating nature is exactly where we've stepped out of line. Nature dominates us. Mm-hmm. And it's not about dominating. It's working in harmony. We have to respect the laws of nature and know that you do not tamper with law. Yep. Yep, exactly. It's not about dominating. The word dominating is, is, should never be used when it comes to nature. I agree. Couldn't agree more. Or, yeah. Yep. Okay, you say that the eruptive events in our lives could be seen as organic losses rather than as a product of good and evil, and I love that because I I just think so much about this whole problem of good and evil that we have in our minds. Can you expound a little bit on what you mean by organic losses? Well, I I think when I say organic losses, I mean like the... uh, evolution of... or for for, For me, let me just say that I think that the, we are emerging into an era of organic divinity. Mm. And that's, it's so let me, let me give it a bigger frame. And it's organic divinity for me is where we understand the nature of God as 
as being expressed in the fact that the entire structure system of all life is law. Whether you're looking at the, the laws that govern the universe, the laws that the planetary system, the, uh, this, this whole thing is one huge language of God. Mm-hmm. And it is, and it is, and thus be, it's all organic. And because it's organic it's, and natural, when things happen like fires or floods that are organic, we have to take out of that reasoning the idea of those people were innocent. They didn't do anything to deserve that. Yes. The, the, the um, projection of a theology of good or bad, a juvenile theology of good or bad, into an organic event, that has got to stop. You understand what I'm saying now? No. I, wa- I, I want to know what you mean by organic loss. What does that mean? Well, it, it's, it's like uh, there's a natural, a natural kind of uh, disaster that we would call a natural disaster, a flood, a, this, a tsunami. I see. But to then tr- and then to turn around and say things like we've always had, we always say like, oh, what a shame, all those innocent people. Right. That idea that, oh, if there was a God, it would only be bad people, only bad things should happen to bad people. Right, right. See, we've taken a one series of narratives and we've positioned them over an organic event, natural event, and a natural event, a tsunami, an earthquake that has nothing to do with whether a God is angry. Mm-hmm. It's nonsense. There is absolute nonsense. I agree. And that, okay, this is what I'm saying. These are its cross purposes. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, I understand now. So, okay, and then you have these fundamentalists that come out with these. Well, if there weren't homosexuals, if they weren't deviants, if it wasn't this, if that, God's angry that Democrats are winning. All this nonsense that comes out of fundamentalists. They yes. talk about you know things wouldn't happen if if God wasn't angry about this or that or this or that. What right. you can, all right. Yeah, so they make God into this anthropomorphic person who looks just like a human yeah. being who, who, who's yeah, petty and Speaking through collective events that would have organically happened anyway. Exactly. But suddenly they're a plat- political platform for God. Yes. What yes. utter nonsense. Yes, it is utter nonsense, I agree. And doing damage to our country as it, as it spews its oh, totally. utter nonsense. Yes. Which is, yes. you know, which is what makes fundamentalism so dangerous. Yes, yes, yes. All right, let's talk about yeah. homelessness a little bit. You said this is not a homelessness problem we are facing. Charity is no longer a solution. We're embarking on a journey into a new era and a new planetary community. What do you mean by that? Um, well, I think... We are embarking into a brand new era. Um, to, to me, I think we really are on the cusp of a deep, of a, um, I don't want to overuse the word 
organic, but a bio-spiritual ecological theology. Yes. A, a time where, I, I, an era in which we have a opportunity, in which we will have a very different understanding of what it means to co-create reality. And that will become a micro-principle of our health and a micro-principle of how we interact with each other. And therefore, a micro-principle of how we create government and how we create society. This will not happen in our lifetime, Andrea. Not at all. What we are living through is the, the denouement of one society and of mythologies of God that are coming, that have reached the end of the line. Because it's the end of the Abrahamic era. And it's the, it's the end. These, these mythologies have served us well, but it's over now. Mm-hmm. And so, and we have not yet created the new mythologies that, that of how we understand the nature of God. But the, the nature of God is not going to be based on new images of off-planet gods. But rather, we are standing on the cusp of entering a galactic era and, 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 and we are ending, ending a living on this planet in which we have believed we were the only form of life on this gargantuan, endless universe. And the, God we, the gods we have are all Earth-centric. And we actually have gods who believe that who, we actually have religions that teach that, that gods care about and are invested in earth real estate. We have got to release and, and the, a lot of the religion stuff and take from our traditions their mystical jewels, their teachings that are universal. And these, these are all found in their laws. There, where, where Jesus taught the laws of healing, Buddha taught the noble truths. These are laws that apply to everybody. Yeah. They have nothing to do with religion or, or behavioral nonsense. This is all just the way the universe, the cosmos is constructed. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. And I, I, I'm so glad that you were able to really explain that well because I, I really do think that's exactly where we are we are on a cusp on a new and I like the way you said that the bio uh, it's, it is organic it is a way yeah. of, of, of understanding life to be its own it has its own energy and we can either mm-hmm. be a part of it or we can resist it right yep. but that life force that life force make no mistake just like if, if we had time to go back we evolved. Human, humanity has evolved its understanding of the cosmos. You go all the way back, and it's not that long ago. The Roman era was not that long ago. I mean, just, you know, 25, 30 generations. It's not that long ago. 
And they saw, you know, they, they kind of, Plato, and they had, Plato had archetypes, he named archetypes, and they had their gods, and then, so they, they externalized the qualities, because they were just mere humans. So they had their gods, and they had, they figured that the planets had some kind of power, and they identified Venus and Mars and Jupiter, and they put the gods up there, but they, what they understood was there are powers that are invisible that have to do with creation and and we are here and these powers are greater than us but we're in relationship to them and and somehow maybe if we did sacrifices or if we built in a temple we could somehow dialogue with this power I'm not sure but maybe if we sacrifice a, a calf or kill a cow or do something this power would make it rain and they're trying to negotiate mm-hmm. eventually here comes Buddha and Jesus, and they they introduce an interior understanding. It wasn't that God changed. It was that we had matured to the point where we could grapple with a, a more intimate understanding of this schemata of power. Well, we did, and 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 so. That's what happened in the Jesus Buddha era. Okay, and, we do need to take a break for right now, but oh, don't sure. forget where you were because I want to finish that. Okay, um, we're going to we're going to take a little break right now. We're going to be back to talk more with Caroline Mace about her book, Intimate Conversations with the Divine. Stay tuned. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com and the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The White House Doctor Makes House Calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll free 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Caroline Mace about her book, Intimate Conversations with the Divine. And we were on a roll there, and we had to stop you, Caroline. Can uh, You want to finish that you were I, you talking what, about? What I, what I do want to finish there is saying that, you know, when Jesus and Buddha came in, they shifted the center of gravity from an external um, relationship to power and God to an internal one, to this idea that somehow a relationship with the divine was engaged within a person. And now what's happening is that same profound shift is happening where our understanding of the power of the cosmos is going through yet another incredible cosmic awakening. It's not that heaven's changing or God is changing or whatever. It's that we are awakening to yet another, oh, I think the rules of are, are getting revealed to us that in fact we are agents of co-creation here. The parent-child image is being is taken away now, and now it's co-creation. It's always been co-creation, uh, and now we have to be held accountable for the choices we make, even down to the tiny micro ones, that every thought I have is an act of creation, every, which is why prayer, I had best actually realize that if every thought I have is an act of creation, then I'd better consider every thought a prayer, which is why I need prayer, because I'm not capable of always being in a very positive place. So I need to, to, uh, what keeps me in awe is that I'm very much aware that the rules have, in fact, been upgraded and that and I know that because as a medical I came to this not as a theologian but as somebody who's done medical intuitive readings for 25 years and realized oh my god are we powerful every thought we have every attitude has so much power that it changes our health our health it changes the quality and our bodies are like a micro earth Every thought. And if we have that much power in our micro earth, we have that much in our macro. But here's the thing. We have that much power. Yeah. And, and that is where one says to God, this is a lot of power I have here. So I am not helpless. So I can never scream helpless again. So I'm going to give that one up. I can never say ever again, but what can one person do? 
Because one person can do a whole lot. So I can never say that again. I can never say I'm helpless. I can never say anything's hopeless. Not when I realize how much power I have. Yes. Now what I get to do is say, you better help me manage this power that is my life. Yes. And yes, every, yes. And every time, every single time somebody goes into despair or depression or puts their own light out, they've given their, their light over to darkness. They have actually given them their light over to the dark side. Because they really have given into the illusion that they have no power. Yep. Because they've defined mm-hmm. power by something big and sparkly and they need a lot of money and they, they've brought into that illusion. They don't get how much power they have just by believing in themselves. Yep. Yep. I and agree. that belief in themselves, even belief, even to say, even to say to God, all right, God, I'm going to believe in myself and I need you to just blast that grace around me. Just surround me in that grace. Just help me out because it's going to be difficult because it's going to be difficult. Just help me out. And these aren't magic spells. So what, where I grow impatient is that people will say to me, nothing's changed. I did that last night. Look at my life's still the same. Well, I give them a bunch of seeds and say, here, plant this in your garden and tell me if it's full grown tomorrow. Right. I mean, snap out of it. Grow up. Nothing is like that. Everything is organic. It takes time in your life and you have to mature into your own power. You don't get rewarded for a prayer. You grow into your power. Yeah. Well put. Don't get rewarded for a prayer. You grow into your power. That's beautiful. Yeah. That reminds me of the, uh, the thing that Jesus said about uh, the mustard seed, that if you have a mustard seed of faith, you can move mountains. I mean, those right. two... The those faith of a two, mustard seed can move a mountain. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, yes, that's, that's what you're saying, that we have the power to move mountains, but maybe our faith is really small and we don't really believe in ourselves, but even a mustard seed has greater power than what we think. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Well, you say that uh, you say a prayer for endurance uh, also, and you said it's not for the release from trouble, though you acknowledge that Jesus did heal and help. But you ask for endurance for yourself and others, not only for the circumstances we have to endure, but for the dealing with our own shadows. What What is that to deal with our own shadows? What does that mean? So many people think we're talking about good and evil there. What are we talking about? Well, with our own shadows, it's, you know, it's, um, you know, shadow is defined as that part of yourself that you don't know, you don't recognize, you haven't yet encountered, and, and that's a nice way to say it, but it's also the part of yourself that you don't want to encounter necessarily. Um, the shadow is the part of yourself that you might find difficult encountering like um, the part of yourself that's selfish and you need to figure out why or the part of yourself that just can't bring yourself to compliment somebody. 
And you have to figure out why. What is it about me that I simply can't compliment that person? Or the part that's so competitive that you're always jealous when someone else gets ahead. And mm-hmm. so you can't feel love or, or happiness for them when something good comes their way. And you have to think, what, what is it with me that I am never happy for someone else's happiness, except when it's about something I don't want? When I find out they've gotten a corned beef sandwich for lunch, I'm happy for them because I wouldn't eat that if you put a gun to my head. <laughs> but but it's, it's, it's your shadow is that part of yourself that you know that if you start investigating it, you really will have to start changing yourself. And that's your shadow. But that's where the powerful choices in your own transformation come from. Yes. Yes, owning that, owning that part of yourself that you've not known and owning those parts of yourself that are difficult and, and unreasonable and, uh, you know, uh, not, not based in your own authenticity are, are, are we do need some endurance to deal with those because we're going to have to be patient with ourselves and, and, and understanding with ourselves and empathetic with ourselves in order to get there. Yes. And I think it's very difficult for, and it takes, it's very brave. It's very, very brave of someone to say, I need to take on myself to actually, you know, take a look at why it is I always love to blame other people for what goes wrong in my life. But I can't do that anymore. And so I have to look at why I do that. Why do I want everything that goes wrong in my life to be someone else's fault? And I'm going to stop doing that. And I won't blame anyone else anymore. And how will that change the dynamic of my life when when I have to say, how did I create this situation? What did I choose? How could I have made a better choice? Did my intuition anywhere along the way warn me that I was making a foolish choice mm-hmm. and hold myself accountable? That's how, that's what this type of deeper accountability does is it, it matures one's inner self. Yes. Yes, indeed, it does. It does. Taking responsibility for our own lives is what you're talking about, and that, that's a big, big, big deal, and it's not one that we got taught. We, we didn't get ta- you know taught what, to do though, that. Andrea, I think it's accountability I'm talking about, not responsibility. Okay. So Take say some more about it. We just have like two more minutes before the end of the show, but oh. say some more about that. Okay. Oh. Because accountability is far, it's, it's where you're actually, you know, taking account of what it is you've done and what you need to do and you're doing it. People will say, I know I'm responsible for this. And they think by saying that phrase, that that's the same thing as doing the accounting to actually say, I did this. Now I need to do this. And this is how I'm going to change And this is what I'm actually doing. Accountability means you have to be accountable for exactly the choices you've made and the new choices you are now going to make to to go forward. Responsibility is not enough. 
Okay. It's not enough. Okay. I hear that. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, like I said, we just have a few more minutes before the close, so I want to give, a, if you can, a brief definition of tr- charism. I, I, I love charism. what you said. You, you pronounce charism is the is the your charism is the unique grace by which God knows you, and it it holds your mission, your holy mission in this life, and it's it's more than just. um, your job. It's not, it's your holy mission. It is, it is, it's packed with that, which you are meant to transform on this earth, who you're meant to help, who you're meant to transform. Your charism is your soul's mission. And so we all have a charism and, and it's important. Yes. So how would, Again, we just have one more minute before the end of the show. Don't go can, there. Don't ask me something I can't answer in a minute. Please don't do that to me. Okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I was just going to say a person must be responsible for getting in touch with that charism. Is that correct? I think that that is that actually the draw to the sacred, that 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 thing that people are compelled to search for, that keeps them always looking and pursuing. They're looking for their, they want access to that, to their charism. They want to hear God call them by name. Okay, I see. They do. All right. Well, thank you so much, Caroline, for being on the show today. This has been a very interesting conversation, and I highly recommend Intimate Conversations with the Divine uh, Prayer, Guidance, and Grace for your reading. It is such a moving and powerful book. You will not be sorry you got it. Thank you again, Caroline, for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you, and stay healthy, friend. Okay, you too. You too. Okay, bye. And that's it for Authentic Living today. We're going to be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week 